name is Gabriel White, and I am a trial lawyer practicing at the law offices of Gabriel K. White, LLC, which represents a big change for me. Um, I'm joined today by my colleagues, uh, Scott Powers and Danny Sepernich of the law firm of Snow Christensen and Martineau. And today we're going to be discussing um, some interesting topics about the life of the trial lawyer, specifically some of the office politics and um, unusual and not so unusual issues that your average uh, younger trial lawyer faces in the office. Whether or not do I really have to go to that uh, house party that uh, the influential but dreadfully dull partner has arranged uh, eagerly for everyone at the firm. Uh, how will participation of, in these events affect my advancement? And uh, other things like social media use in the office and um, particular issues relating to different types of clients. It's a little bit of a uh, mixed episode, so we hope you'll enjoy and come away with a better sense of what it's like on a daily basis to be a trial lawyer. Is about whether or not you have to attend social events. What do you think about that, Powers? Mandatory attendance of social events. Uh, uh, I think there are different types. <laughs> I, I, think you, I think you've got. I think you've got two different types. Okay. You've got uh, you know on the premises during work hours. Right. And you've got off premises, uh, off work hours. Right. And I think that, I don't know. I, I personally, I know that a number of people that I know uh, will decline to come to anything that's not during work hours and, and you know, kind of mandatory in that way. Um, I know that for me, when I was a young aspiring attorney, I felt like that if I didn't attend anything, whether or not it was on or off office hours, I would, uh, I would be jeopardizing my, my partnership track maybe because I'm not, you know, making the relationships necessary to get these people that own the firm to vote for me and ultimately put me in as a, adopt me do you as think a brother. That, do you think that would really factor into somebody's decision making though, whether or not you went to the office Christmas party? Well, I think that it's an opportunity to get to know them. And if you don't know them, I, I mean, for example, at my firm, there are people uh, and associates that, you know, uh, for whatever reason, don't seem to really interact with, with me, and uh, I don't see them, I don't know what they're doing, and at the end of the day, it's going to be hard for me to really get excited about bringing them on as, as a partner, as my partner, as a part owner of the, you know, the business enterprise, if I don't really know them, or for, you know, to get to brass tacks, trust them. But you can't really get to know everybody in your firm, in like the. Well, because it's a large firm. Right. Thank For Salt well, Lake. Thank you, Gabe. So I think, rightfully or wrongfully, people who don't go to events, it might be seen that you don't have some some vested interest in the firm, and that you see it as only a job and a way to make a living. And for some people, that might be a factor that weighs against having them be partner, where they just don't seem to have any interest and they don't want to get involved in like the leadership and the committees and um and maybe not everybody cares but I think some people might they might they might want to see that people are invested in the place that they work and want to be more than just unknown co-workers you know that said one thing that kind of worries me sometimes is the really the the crazy zealots 
right? These guys who, who portray themselves, whether partner or associate, I'm getting aside from that, but the guys who portray themselves as I'm going to build 2,500 hours this year and the work is my life and you know, to heck with everything else that might otherwise go on outside of Straight to the heck. firm. Straight to heck. Exactly. This is a family podcast. Family podcast. Um... <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I've always, you know, there was a, there was an attorney, and again, we're trying not to name names, but I, I used to work in another law firm of similar size, and there was an attorney there that uh, he would be sending emails at, you know, 3 a.m. on a, on a Sunday night, and it was, it's just madness, the, the, the hours that this person would work, and I don't know, it really turned me off, I, you know, I did not want to be like this person. I did not want to, if this was the practice of law, it scared me. And so I think there's something to be said when you talk about participation and maybe someone being viewed as not being someone who wants to invest in the firm. I think there's a fine line to be drawn there between participating and showing interest and at the same time not turning into one of these robots who no one wants to be around because all they do is work. So are you concerned that the Christmas party could turn you into some sort of robot? Yes, a horrible flesh-eating robot. All right. Danny, what do you think, Gabriel? Your thoughts? We, all, all, all I've heard from Gabe is your thoughts. No, your thoughts. Well, what do you think well, about Well, I mean... Come on, Curly here's, Hair, let's do this. I don't think parties turn people into robots. I don't think... I don't think Gabe wants to go to things. He wants to work from home, as we established last time. And he doesn't want to show up to the parties. And if anyone says that that means he's not a team player, he takes a Oh, I go to the parties. Let's hear about it. A lot of times I get dressed up for the parties. Sure you do, anti Like, I I wear my... um, He has, like, a velvet... Yeah. A velvet... I have a... What what is that called? Smoking jacket. A velvet smoking... Just because you dress like jacket does not mean that you automatically go to all the parties. I know, I'm just telling you, I I like to, and I have a cravat that goes with it very well, um, which I've worn before in public on one occasion. It's it's one of those ties that you it's a big, flowy sort of thing. It's just for fun, but yeah. So I, I like the parties. I mean, my thoughts are that you know on on the one hand, I disagree. Parties are good. Um, <laughs> they can be overdone, but it, you know. Okay, how are they overdone? Like all right, two um, Santa Claus is a little much. No. I can I can tell you one way. I know of a firm with have some <laughs> friends that I go that are that I hang out with that are, uh, that practice there that either now or in the past has had like monthly or bi-weekly meetings mandatory for each and every one of its, its, uh, practice areas. And there's a constantly getting together to chit chat about this stuff. That kind of thing can get to be a little oppressive because you're like, well, I need to get my hours in. I need to get my work done. But now instead we're going to go sit and listen to somebody in the, I don't know what's a BS pot, uh, practice area like the Shorty Group. Like oh, here we go. Here we go. Now about, we see the oppression inherent in about, the system. About you know how that everybody in doing shorties is doing something that no one else cares about. So ah well. Um, okay, I mean I think events can get to be a little bit much that way. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Other than that, you're so, wrong. One concern that I have is um, it can be hard when a lot of events are family-oriented and you don't have a family. That's um, true. It's, it's kind of awkward to go to the family party with everyone in their family when you don't have a family. Awkward. Awkward. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all saying about I guess about I see that. It's true. Oh, awkward. Um, is it really? 
awkward? You know, it's interesting. I've, I've never heard that. I, I've I heard that know, people I've got before, a, but I've always kind of like... A passel of tiny midget people that... I'm well, and a lot of times we go to... we. I mean, a lot of our stuff is just... I mean, it's not family, but it's like... So I think know, it depends on the event, right? If it's a bees game or something where everyone's... That, that's fine. Like, you're just sitting and watching, but... Um, like we did a snowbird party recently where everyone pretty much went off and had their own day with their family mm-hmm. as the firm party. Did you go to that? I think that I was not there at this one, but I apparently missed some awkwardness. No, it's great. It's really fun, but it can, for inclusion, maybe people feel left out of the various events for whatever reason. Maybe well, what would be done differently? Well, maybe that's an argument to do more events instead of less, because some of them you do family events, some of them you do that are more single-friendly. I, I'm, I don't think you can really craft an event. I've worked on uh, putting together conferences for the bar, and it's really difficult to put together something that really meets everyone's needs, like one event. But, like, you know, you can add things in to kind of... Um, make it work like we did a conference that is typically attended by more solo small firm older more established attorneys here in town then we added on some social events in the evenings that were more attractive to the younger lawyers things like that um the hipsters okay if you do you know what a hipster is of course i know what a hipster is what's your definition of a hipster I would use a person as an example, but I don't want to. Well, no, if you had to describe it, what is it? (laughs) Would you like to know the true definition? Yes, Ah, I would. Danny, with her lone access to the internet, the interwebs. The interwebs. It is a person who follows the latest trends and fashions, especially those regarded as being outside the cultural mainstream, which seems like an internally inconsistent definition. I mean, that's by definition. Well, no, you, you've heard the old joke, right? Where do you drown a hipster? In the mainstream. <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay, anyway. Okay. Social media. The bane of some offices and the blessing to others as it gets used either to waste time or to do research on opponents and potential witnesses. In this next segment, we explore the impact of social media on law firms. Access to social media thing has never really been something that I have looked into. I'm not much of a social media guy. Um, Pretty much just use Facebook to send photos of my kids to my parents. Hmm. Um, Uh, Well, I think social media anymore is a way that a lot of people interact. you think? Well, no, no, is that, no, no, is that no. true? Well, I don't know about that. Is that, 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 that? Okay. <laughs> social okay, media? Sarcasm. I mean, the only way a lot of people interact. <laughs> oh, the only way. Okay. Um, you know, for example, there are a number of people that I simply don't deal with at all, except for on social media, and yet I still consider them friends, and you know, we we interact with some frequency. So how does that affect your Well, and so how does, it, how does it come into the workplace? Because people are using it so prevalently like that, there is a risk, because of its inherent you know, published nature, that some of the things you do, especially as a lawyer, will now be potentially violating the attorney-client privilege or the work product privilege. And by, by posting something, for example, about a case, are you getting yourself into trouble and committing malpractice in doing so? Additionally, there are 
there are provisions within the ethical rules that talk about criticizing judges or criticizing the judiciary, uh, among other things, that could be implicated, for example, if you start talking about a bad result and how the judge sucks. I have a friend, an attorney friend, who's a solo practitioner who just recently had a bad interaction with a judge, and he went off on social media about the judge and what he thought and how this person should not only shouldn't be retained, but should lose his or her <laughs> law license. And it was, it was shocking. It was eye-opening. And, and I can tell you right now, it was definitely, uh, at least in my mind, from what I know, probably a violation of the ethical rules. Now, I don't know that I have an obligation to go report him for his Facebook post, given that it's, it's being published to his so, friends. But it, it, it troubled me a little bit. And in talking to our malpractice people, it seems like that's something that has gotten a number of attorneys, uh, you know, that they insure into trouble. Namely, so you're posting saying... something on Facebook, it becoming public knowledge, and getting them into trouble, whether it be a claim or disciplinary proceedings, you know, you name it. So would that be a violation of the rule about, um, what, what aspect of that attorney's conduct did you think violated the rule? It's obviously not 1.6 material, right? What, Confidentiality of client information. No, you, you have, there, there is a rule that requires, or that, that prohibits you from criticizing the judiciary. Just that conduct in particular. What what rule is that? Uh, I think this golly, would be I don't interesting. Have it. I'm I, looking at it, it up. Hold on. I seem to recall that there is one. I think there is, but I think this might be an exception because it could be, I think, political to the extent there's elections for the judiciary. It didn't have any. It was not. Wasn't it about judge not being retained? No, it was not. Uh, didn't you say retained? No, his comment was. Not only should this person not be retained, which is the you know normal avenue for, you know, determining whether or not someone retains their judgeship, but he thought that this person was a criminal and should lose their bar license. And then you know, among other ranting, the bottom line in all of that is just simply that they were saying things that I thought were problematic, and I don't know that they would have said them but for the social media context and the ability to have a have a soapbox to stand on so to speak. I think it might be rule 8.2. Read the, read the language. I need to find it first. Oh, I thought you did. Sorry. I thought you had. Um, so obviously this statements could, could implicate rule 1.6, which is a lot more broad than most attorneys realize. Says a lawyer, at least the Utah version says a lawyer shall not reveal information relating to the representation of a client unless the client gives informed consent. The disclosure is impliedly authorized in order to carry out the representation or the disclosure is permitted by paragraph B. Paragraph B relates to, you know, if you know your client's gonna murder someone, you can reveal that and things, things of that level of um, seriousness that aren't really likely to come up in most cases. So pretty much, you know, and I've seen interpretations of this that are so broad that pretty much any time you mention a case that you're working on or something you've done for the client, it could implicate this rule. So in those situations, I, I grant you, posting about a case could be problematic. Um, so I think Scott might be thinking of 8.2, which says a lawyer shall not make a public statement that the lawyer knows to be false or with a reckless disregard as to its truth or falsity concerning the qualifications or integrity of a judge, 
a judicatory officer, or a candidate for election or appointment to judicial office. Bingo! Okay, but so it's that they know to be false... Or that well, they, and obviously or they're going to be exceptions. But we're getting, you know, you're getting a feel here of the topic. The topic is... Well, know. it's why, why, is, why is this a concern in the office? And I think this adds some substance to it. Don't shut off the substance powers. There is no substance. There could you be. You can't handle the truth. Um, no truth so, handle you. I mean, I think the, the problem with that statement that you mentioned is less that it might violate the rule and more that it was probably really embarrassing to their firm to the well, he's a lawyer. sole practitioner he's a sole practitioner oh. I, I mean I, I don't know that I see the ethical quandary there if he's commenting says you know presenting opinions and I mean it's not something I would do but um, if he came to me and say hey does this do I need you know to notify my my, my malpractice carrier or you know well, is the bargain come come out, yet, obviously is but... the bargain to come after me my answer probably would be no but from the firm context sure in a firm context it, it Obviously, it's problematic. I mean, it could be. I mean, you and I have a friend. This is somewhat related. <laughs> I know this friend that um, that recently uh, had. He was working on a case, prepared a bunch of reports for his client, and even in that kind of and and sent them to the client. Um, and obviously, in that sort of confidential communication, you're going to have a lot of really candid assessments of opposing counsel and the judge and everything. And uh, of course. The client happened to send them to their coverage lawyer, who then promptly produced them to opposing counsel in the coverage litigation, which happened to be opposing counsel. I th I, I believe this is correct in uh, the underlying litigation, so that then the lawyers got all of his communications that reference you know this judge says this, this judge says that. And I know we've had some discussions in the firm even about making sure that even in our communications with the client, oh, we want to be candid. We also be, want to be a little bit careful the words we use to phrase things in because sometimes these kind of things happen. Um, so I think that his concern is just magnified when you get it up on social media or you get somebody firing off from their Twitter account, although maybe that standard will change given that our current mm -hmm. president-elect fires <laughs> off these tweets at like 2 o'clock <laughs> in the morning and doesn't seem to be too restrained by whether they're truth or true okay, or, well, or let's, false. Okay, let's or talk not. about that. Politics. In the office. In the office. Right. Problem? Um, I, th I think it can be. I mean, I think it depends on your particular office. You know, I, on the one hand, there are some people that you wouldn't want to let slip what your true feelings are about something because they will secretly hold it against you. Um, so is it only a partnership type thing where you're trying to, you know, keep your job or get a promotion? Or is it something that might affect a, a case that you're handling? Um, your particular politics? I, I don't... How are you thinking it could affect a case, I guess? I'm just not... I have a client who is... It would not surprise me to hear the chant, lock her up, be used repeatedly. Sure. And if that client, for example, were to find out your political views... Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a chance you lose business? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I guess there's always a chance that if you have a particular client that their business is completely controlled by one person. And if you, I mean, I think I would argue in that circumstance, you're much more likely to have clients that, um, especially among people who hire 
than spend a lot of money on legal work, you're probably a lot more likely to have clients that feel the other side of the spectrum that, um, you know, the lock her up chance are probably inappropriate and you might lose business that way. But I think that one's harder. It depends on your individual knowledge of the client and how they feel about things. Um, it could go either way, I guess. But so just like your mother. We're going to do this. We're going to get into this. Okay. All right. I thought this was a serious podcast, but it apparently was, it's no, not. No, it was not. It was never. My first clue could be Power is constantly sitting on social media while he's doing his podcast. I'm not on social media. I'm, I'm he's researching. Awesome ideas. Okay, he's researching. <laughs> he's, re- he's so awesome, those ideas. So awesome. Crazy awesome. Research, research, research. So much research. Um, so I have a story that's not entirely, pol- it's not politics at all, but sure. I've been at um, not entirely. meals. Well, not, not, not politics not at, all, at all, but it's related. I have been at meals with clients um, where I'm mostly vegetarian and the clients are um, in the irrigation and agriculture business and they've made comments about eating chicken and how that's less than eating beef and people who eat chicken are weird and so the thought of telling them that I'm vegetarian and don't eat meat at all I'm afraid that they might judge me actually you said that it's not okay to just eat chicken no why would you eat chicken when you can eat beef I think they've got a point (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that um you have an odd client, but that's okay. Yeah. Because even odd, <laughs> yeah. strange people have money too. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this goes along with on the client side that like sometimes, you know, maybe it's there's a danger in oversharing with clients, and until you get to know them, it's really difficult to know where that line is with a particular client. Some people. You may just never want to get into the political discussion with them because they're kind of out there. Other people, you know, and it, we tell ourselves that it really shouldn't matter, but obviously for some clients it does. Um, I see that coming up less in the law firm context, not completely absent, but less. I have worked for people before that your political views would strongly shape the way they, um, the way they view you, not necessarily my current firm but in the past I've, I've actually had it come up a surprising amount we really i went to meet with a client and had stopped someplace before and when we when we got there i was with somebody else from my firm and they made a comment about how the person that we had met with before voted for obama and it just had such a tone with it and I, how do you respond to that but a lot of the um, people that a lot of the people that you a lot of your clients are like, it's we're talking about like really rural. Like I'm envisioning you having dinner with your clients and I'm envisioning a restaurant and a dude in overalls and those big rubber boots. Like a and, cowboy? Is that what a dude No, is? like the rubber boots, you know, with <laughs> the, 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 the canal guys boots. you wear all the time. You know like what I'm talking waiters. about. Yeah, I, well, no, but not to go all the way. Yes, go anybody that deals with here. canals is dressed okay. like Gordon's Fisherman. This is what I'm... And... What? Where did you get the Gordon's Fisherman? <laughs> anyway, um, this is just Full the, the picture that it pulls up in my head. Water. I mean, how accurate is that picture? Semi-accurate. Semi-accurate, Semi. okay. But what do you do when you have a client that makes a comment? You just smile and laugh is kind of yeah. my, I mean, I, my I approach. I think the only real way to deal with it, to be quite honest, is just 
to not get into politics. I think that's your safest yeah, route. Yeah, politics and religion are always easy to stay away from because... Um, are they, they Gabriel? Well, I think they're good to stay away from. I don't know that they're easy to stay yeah, away from. Yeah, I don't from. know that they're well, easy I, either. I, yeah. I, a number of I mean, I guess I was going to say, if you're going to draw a line as to where you should get into and where you shouldn't, the, a good safe place to draw it is to say stay away from politics and religion. But that's getting harder to do um, in the world because so much of what goes on has to do with one of those two topics. Correct. Um so, have it, do you guys at your firm have any policies or procedures with regards to access to social media at the workplace? You know, um, well, not that I'm aware of, but our current firm, in our employee handbook, it talks about that, and I think we've got, we've had some training from a malpractice carrier about you know not to put stuff on social media, given that you know it's run people into trouble in times past. I assume it has a firewall, right? Of some kind. Are you talking about network security or are you talking about social media posting? Well, no, but a lot of people use the firewall to screen out social media so people can't post. No, no, no. You can access. That's where I was going to go. Our our firm does not stop access to social media, given that we also use it for... um, Research. Well, yeah, for (laughs) for investigation of, of... Opposing counsel, opposing parties. Dig stuff up on other people. Dig stuff up on your dirty, lying, personal injury clients, Gabriel. Um, How dare you? No, I know. Impugn on their. They they will they will they will be scandalized and upset by your statement, but they will still (laughs) take your money. So. (laughs) But when I was at uh, Kip and Christian, for example, they for a time actually blocked access to social media, and there was all sorts of outrage. Mm-hmm. By a number of the you know the lead partners, they they couldn't take it, so they eventually reinstated it. But why did they not like having? Why did they want? I mean, I can see, I can I can see why you would want it, and I can see why, you know, you would need it for research. But what? Because they wanted to surf Facebook during the business oh, day. Well. They want to see pictures of their grandkids during the business day. Yeah. Anymore, that's the way it happens. Because when was the true. last time you brought over a nicely made photo album to your mom and said, here you go, here are the kids. It doesn't happen. No, that's Facebook true. is the way that's done. And I think anymore, the way attorneys work is that um, they, they spend a ton of time at the office. And so if you totally take that away, you know, you, you, you remove the ability to kind of liaise with their family and I, I think it makes the office a harder place to be in if you're just totally walled off. I had some friends on a tangent that work for Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and Goldman Sachs because they work with you know billions of dollars every day they have to have crazy strict rules about what information goes in and out and, and they're not supposed to take calls they don't have access to any sites it's amazingly draconian in the, at least the Treasury Department this is a financial information. Uh-huh. And yeah. so, and, and these people, they can't take it. They, they burn out amazingly fast because they don't have an outlet. We have another mutual friend who, um, whose job, worked at Goldman for a couple, a few years, and his job was basically to read through employee emails that got caught in one of their filters for you know, suspicious information. And so oh, yeah. I mean, the, the... Eventually couldn't take it anymore. He didn't <laughs> like doing it. It was, it was very boring. Um, and he, he wound up quitting, but yeah, yeah, they do have somebody that does that kind of stuff. So social media, it's it can be problematic, but I think it's it's just it's probably like alcohol, right? Prohibition was tried, people didn't like it, 
despite the fact that you know alcohol wasn't exactly healthy for everybody, and it was eventually repealed. And that's what happened, at least to Kim and Christian. It was tried, they didn't like it, despite the risks, they were willing to, <laughs> to keep the risks, and the prohibition on social networking was repealed. And I, I don't know, I think it's one of those things where I don't know that you can realistically ban everything, especially since it's a tool, but you have to weigh the risks at the same time. But there's not really a, like an easy solution. Okay, well, we'll allow this, and we'll give three secretaries access to Facebook so they can look up plaintiffs' Facebook stuff, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to work. So, fantasy football issues in the office. So, going back to Goldman, my I've heard... Okay, fantasy football hits close to the heart. We're in a fantasy right. football league. Yep, Paris is terrible. Uh, Murka Twinkle, Twinkle Biscuits. Murka Twinkle Biscuits. Worst team name ever. Best team name ever. And Whereas Shrek's Forest minute. Forest People is way better team yes, name. Shrek's Forest People. Now, remind me, who's who's on top in that league? I, I can't remember. Who's, who's currently ranked first? You know, statistical anomalies can cause things to get a little out of whack. Occasionally, so you have like a bad oh, team you know what? that winds up on top for me. a little while, it's and me. then all right, yeah. you know you're a loser. I'm a winner. That's the way it is. It's like that song. Whatever all you, I do is win. Whatever win, you need to sleep. Win. Whatever you need to sleep at night, buddy. Hurry day, Gabe. Hurry oh, day. Um, okay, so back, back to the Goldman issue. I my understanding is that a number of years back there was a ring of people who were playing fantasy football and they had some money. Uh, writing on the outcome at the end of the year. Friendly game, paramutual, nothing on the books, nothing um, uh, really nefarious about it. But the, I guess there's a prohibition within the employee handbook uh, that prohibited these employees from any kind of gambling, online gambling, and they consider this fantasy football league online gambling, so they can the whole lot of them. And I guess they did some more digging into it, and they, they found others, and they did the same. So is that a, is that a problem? Are I think it's a problem for America, right? <laughs> like, we've had so many things taken away from us recently: our dignity, our international standing, <laughs> all the the wonderful things we all used to rely on. Fantasy football may be one of the most important things we have left. The last great refuge. The last, the last stand for America, and uh, it's a tragedy that some just don't recognize that. I don't know. I, I just, I, for me, I don't see a whole lot of risk in it apart from its propensity to waste time of employees. But I mean that that just that's that's a drop in the bucket of time wasters. You've got some states media. have construed it as gambling, but um, I think there's a an exception in the the federal statute at least that um, under Utah's gambling statute, I think technically speaking it probably meets the definition of gambling. Fortunately, we don't have anything Fortunately, riding do on that. our no, league. No, sir, not. not a thing. Nope. No, blah, blah, board. But, um, so that's a potential <laughs> issue, I guess, although I don't know how many state attorney generals are really uh, in the business of tracking down people's workplace, fantasy football league. Oh, I'm sure it's one of those things where if they were you know, presented with all of the evidence in a nice little satchel and say, here you go. <laughs> Everything you need to prove this, I don't think they're going to do it because the precedent they would set. I mean, they're probably hypocrites by doing it because I'm sure that a number of them are in fantasy football. Leagues. That's probably true. Danny, your thoughts on fantasy football? So I think it's a really good opportunity to have a social event at work that doesn't require people to go to something after work. So it's a nice avenue for those that don't want to do something after work hours. And um, we did a the college basketball bracket. 
and had a couple of the big games where we had a viewing party so people could go down and watch it. And I think that was a really fun event and helped to bring people together and have that fun, like, um, the, you know, kind of competition in a friendly way. And so I think it's, I think, I don't see any problem with it. Speaking of fantasy football, so let's get into a tangent here. Antitrust, antitrust issues with FanDuel and DraftKings. That's got to be an antitrust issue. There is no single day fantasy football company other than those two. My understanding is they were already already interrelated. There are a few others, but they're they're very limited. And I I, I would expect that it probably would um, trigger some of those. Now I'm basing this on my extensive knowledge of antitrust law gleaned from watching the antitrust section put on a one-hour CLE. Um, Which is more or less adequate. For for our purposes. And my understanding is that the question is, does it hurt competition? Um, And it it seems like this one certainly does or or could, potentially. If you're in a state, for example, where you only have access to these two, and now you only have one, that seems... Let the people have access to fantasy football! You know what's the most annoying thing? Do you play? Do you, you play it, of all things ever? Yes, of all things ever. Do, do you um, do you ever play daily, daily fantasy football? Nope. Have you ever before? Nope. Never. What is that? No. You, okay. You guys why, why, daily? Why, are you, why are you so no. surprised? I just. I well, could you just, could you just brought up football. the Fandle DraftKings merger? Well, of I course, thought, I pay attention to anything fantasy football related. It doesn't necessarily mean I automatically. Have I have an account with both of those places, and um, the annoying thing is that they're they're legal and or not based on what state you're in. So, if you um, so is it legal here? So yeah, so you sign in here, right, and you set a lineup, you know, and you you fly for a depot trip to like oh, I can't remember what state was the last time. So you have to you have to take Arizona a or to, New York to... or something. And when you get there, you're like, oh, crap, so-and-so, you know, twisted his ankle and needs to come out of my lineup. So you go in to change it, but it knows where you are, and it knows you're in a place where fantasy football is not legal. So now you cannot change your lineup from that location. Really? Yeah. Where so did that, so where, where were you when that happened? I'm trying to remember. It was, was it Sheboygan, Gabe? Arizona, so, or was it, um, it was, I've never been to Sheboygan. Um, so the whole I've state been has, to Wisconsin. has blocked... Pronounce well, being able to use right. your well, app. No, it's that it's that um, you know some states have specific restrictions on fantasy football in general, and the easiest way to police those are the daily leagues because that's people log in, they they put money in right away, and you know you play and it's it's over in the course of a day. That's why it's called daily. Um, wow. And. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and it's but it, you have to have the location services. So here's the question: Have phone. you ever like won money, see, Gabe, or how much yeah. are you in the hole for? No, I don't. I, I play like the one dollar games every once in a while, wow. and I haven't played in a while. I have twenty five bucks that I deposited in the account out here on my DraftKings account like um, a few months ago, and I haven't played one yet. I don't know. I just haven't gotten around to it. So but, have you ever played fantasy football, Danny? Yes, I have a team right now. You what, do. What is I your do. team name? Hail Mary had a little lamb. Nice. Yeah, okay. Come on, give right. that to you. That's good work. Sure. Thank you. Sure. It's a little I'm bit it's... of a Shrek's Forest. People. No, I'm Shrek's Forest people. Nobody even knows. My fantasy teams are named um, Shrek's Forest people, 
the dude, the lawman that's in my family league where I'm the only lawyer. So it's, anyway, we not work any matters. That's cute. That's it is. And then the other one is roughing the mallard, but that's kind of a <laughs> odd sort of a <laughs> league. But that's, that's the name that's of That's a lot team. of leagues. Yeah, four leagues. Uh, really like fantasy. Big fan. I'm not very good at winning it. But, no, he's um, not. But I'm um, inherently better than Powers. What? So, Except that, wait, who, who, who's won every matchup we had? I can't remember. Uh, no, I beat I you said, once. like a league record? I beat you once. No, you and didn't. Yes, I did. You did I not. I can go back and look at the history yeah, of this. Look, at him. look up the history. This is going to be special. Schedule. Okay. Let's... Anyway. Yeah, well, let's let's just gloss over that topic. Should we just... It's not going to end well for somebody. Um, that's Gabe. <clears throat> okay. You and I have only faced each other once. And what happened, Gabriel? And I think you threw some sort of weird quirk. You won. Uh-huh. Threw some anomaly in space-time. But... Shrek did not win that. Yeah. I don't know how the donkey wins one. But, you know, it's it's like the... <laughs> it's like the, uh, you know, the, the blind squirrel, right? Even he eventually finds a nut. That's right. Okay. Um, Next topic. We're going to... Go to Office Romance. Oh I boy! That's don't a whole, know anything that's about this stuff. That's a whole podcast. Well, married for almost fourteen so, years. So yeah, I know. For, I'm, I'm no, for fourteen years. Yeah. I've been married for. Holy cow! I've been married for going on sixteen years. I have never met. Well, I, I should say that's not true. I know one person that um, they had an office romance. They wound up getting married, and then everything was hunky dory, and it's been decades later, whatever. But other than that, I've never really? known anyone where that ended poorly. Where it ended, where it did not end poorly. Okay. Exactly. I was gonna say like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, always pretty, worked out. I was gonna say I. There are no know. movies about that going wrong or people getting murdered or anything like that. Never. Murder. Never. Well, I think murder is a, a little bit extreme, but it's always a possible outcome, right? Like, I wouldn't say always. You murder? What if you're hiking alone? How are you gonna get murdered that way? It's not always a possible outcome. Come on, man. You murder yourself. There you go. <laughs> Is that murder or is that suicide, Gabriel? Well, if you, yeah, that's what suicide means. I think suicide that's what is the a word subset means. of it's murder. It's a murder of is yourself. It like homicide is, it, is, is it, a murder of another is it, Gabe? human. Yeah, it is. You thought about this, haven't you, Gabe? Yeah, regicide is murder of the king. <laughs> yeah. And now today's topic, <laughs> regicide. Regicide. We have. All right. We're um, gonna talk office, about the glorious uh, so revolution. Office romances. Um, King Charles. So does anybody think office romance is a good idea? No, well, I don't know that it's a good idea. But is it per se bad? Is it malum prohibitum or malum insay? Insay. God, I don't Look know. Look at you with your Latin. I know. It's, just, it's like it's a so trial proud. lawyers podcast. I feel like. Yeah. I I I'm torn on that. I I, I know a couple of. I think it's malum per, per se almost. Well, here's the issue. I don't know if it's if it's automatically bad, but I again, I think the circumstances are such that uh, you know, you're forced into a situation where you're working with someone a lot. That's typically what happens, right? And as a result of working with this person, you become infatuated with them, and you end up having trouble. Right. Um, now, when you're, you know, is, is that a is that something where you have sought them out because of a natural affinity or is it because you've been kind of forced into the situation and something has grown a, a, as a result? I don't know. I've never been in one. But like you said, I have yet to see one where it, you know, it works out just hunky-dory 
where you know happily ever after it worked out perfectly. Have you? Uh, no. You said you had one. Well, there's example. there's one that I'm aware of. So what were the situation there? You don't have to name names. Um, How did it work? Just because the people. It cool? would be yeah. I, I mean, in situations where I've in this particular one was a weird circumstance, but um, situations where I've I've heard about it working out. I mean, people, you know, meet. What are they? Say that you know, there's only like so many places you can meet people, and work is where you spend most of your time, and so people meet spouses at work. Not uncommon. Um, like I said, most of my because I'm so old now, most of my so, experience so old. is yeah, so old is from hearing about people who like cheat on their wives. Okay, that's what I was going to ask next. Okay, Gabe. So I don't know that many people where they're like, oh yeah, they were both single and they met uh -huh. work and, you know, X, Y, Z happened. Like, I think that's the greater question. Can you, you ever, I mean, maybe that's a, it's a separate topic, but can you ever really have a, <laughs> a relationship that works based on cheating, you know, based on infidelity? Ooh. Like, I want to create something that is fidelity that starts in infidelity. Yeah, I think it's less likely, certainly. Yeah, it's like I, I I'm going to do I'm going to betray one client to gain another client. Is that new client gonna really want to trust me, or is the next guy that comes around with a better deal gonna get you know Is he gonna worry about getting screwed by me? But so, Danny, we've already said we have no no experience with this. I mean, you're you're at least Danny's single, like, well, so let you're, me tell you a little you're, something you're, about all you're closer. You you can start. You can tell stories like a friend I know had this happen <laughs> to her. Air quote friend. Air quote friend. <laughs> no, I actually I have no no experience personally, and I don't. I don't think that I even know anybody else that has a workplace romance. Um, that has worked out well or not well. I think part, I think it depends a little bit on what company you work for. I, you can imagine a company that's just massive with hundreds of employees where it seems like it might not be that big of a deal if you're in different departments and um, there's actually very little interaction at work. If you're or if you're at, at two different Walmarts, for example. Exactly. exactly. Right. That's, yeah. that's that where my mind went. <laughs> right where my mind went. Um, or if you're at a small firm that's eight, eight attorneys. You can see that being a different story, but... You know, one of the issues that comes to mind, too, is it seems like, especially with a bar as small as Utah's, it kind of becomes common knowledge. Like, everyone yeah. knows the guy who married his paralegal. Everybody knows the guy who who broke up, you know, the secretary's marriage and ended up marrying her or something. And it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, from, a, from a strictly perceptional... Is that even a word? Mm -hmm. I, is, is it, like, big league? Is it huge? Uh, from from a perception point of view, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Bottom line is it looks bad, right? It looks bad. Yeah. And people around the bar are going to see you, and I, I think it's going to taint you going forward, and they, oh, you're that guy. I don't know. It yeah. is a small community. Um, that's, yeah. I, I mean, the danger you're always going to run into with, with the office romance is that question you're going to have to ask yourself, like a lot of these topics we've talked today, is, is it worth it? What are the costs? What are the benefits? And uh, do you want to go there? Okay. Um, Gabe does. No. 
No but, means no, Gabe. But well, and here's another issue. Okay, so let's let's follow this. How does an office romance even romance even start? Because there are so many problems that arise as a result of trying to cultivate such a romance in an office environment. Because you've got a lot of federal laws that prohibit sexual advances or people, you know, trying to, you know, raise those topics in in a work situation. I mean, I think it's more trouble than it's worth. You know, you think that paralegals giving you, you know, the go-ahead, you know, kind of disaffected in your relationship at home, and then you say, oh, it's why it gives him the go-ahead. <laughs> I've been off the market for so long. Very romantic. Hey, it's come on. Go. We all know I got the go-ahead, and then... Romance is not... <laughs> My wife can attest. Romance is <laughs> it's not something that powers there, this there, there is a, there is a, uh, sadly, there is a. Do you guys remember the office? obituary somewhere for? Romance. Did you watch that show? I did. There were many workplace there romances. There were many. There. I was thinking through that. So there was Jim and Pam. Well, that makes for great I mean, that TV. Was, that was like the almost the only reason I watched the first few episodes. Right. I mean, it was funny, but. You wanted to see what happened with Jim and Pam. And then Mindy and. You are a romantic, Mister. White. Just was her, was her character's name Mindy? The Mindy Project. I mean, there's Mindy Project, but like right. the character Mind, in the office. It might office. not have been. No. What was her name? I don't remember, Senator. I'm gonna look it up. Paris has no recollection. I you didn't get the go. I have no. <laughs> uh, and then there was Andy and Aaron, right? Yep. Which that one got a little creepy. Didn't he, like, stalk her for a while? Uh, not that I can recall. Maybe not. Maybe Michael I'll... and the other lady. Oh, uh, yeah, what was, her, what was that character's name? This is way more interesting than any of the topics that we've done. Yeah, her name was Kelly Kapoor. Kelly, that's right. And Kelly now Kapoor. we have evolved into television trivia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On the Trial Lawyers podcast. Nice. I love television trivia. Great lawyer show, by well, the way. I just finished watching Goliath. Oh, here we go. Fantastic. Billy Bob Thornton. How do you have so much time to watch these shows? I was up till 3 o'clock in the morning finishing it last night. And thus, why you were late today. Probably, yeah. That, that factored into it. Also, I forgot the equipment out of my office, so I had to go back to the office before I could come here. But uh, James Spader was on that show, too. The Office. The later seasons played Robert California. Which is great. Hilarious. Spader's Scott Powers. Spader. What's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, lawyer TV show or movie? Uh, They're all kind of terrible because uh, if you're a trial lawyer, it's incredibly frustrating. It is everybody tries to portray it. Yep. And the death. Uh, okay, so here's a here's Wait, a rant. But they you try know, and they try and portray it, and they always screw it up. They, we should save that for a separate podcast. No, I'm just. I've like, got thoughts on TV. Sir, we can get. We're gonna spend the next three hours. Let's just start for. We've only got like five minutes left. So no, I, th- I think we should save that for a whole. You want to oh save that God. for a whole other day? day. Uh, one word: suits. No, you don't do depositions like that. Drives me no, nuts. No, yeah, suits is suits is. Oh my um, goodness, suits is a good show, but it's it's way off on the. But this watch. All right, we'll why don't we why don't we save that as next week's topic? Okay, what the last? What do we have to finish this up? Five minutes. Well, hold on and think of. Which ones you like, which ones come closest, and watch this Goliath on Amazon. It's Billy Bob Thorne. It still has stuff where you're like, wait, what? But it comes closer than most of them. And they got a few legal concepts right. So, 
Well, I mean, evidentiary issues. Or, or are we back to the blind squirrel? Suits get to No, I mean, right. I'm, I'm just they saying. They use the word like, deposition, and that is, in fact, just, one of the discovery tools that just, we are allowed. Just, the watch the, just watch the damn show and uh, check it out. I think you'd like it. It's pretty good. Um, but we can do that next time. Um, next, uh, last topic, realistically, that was different taboo topics at the office. I think we kind of covered that with politics and religion. I don't know that we covered religion so much. You know, we we've got a Utah's weird. Utah is weird, but here's an Utah's interesting weird. thing: we've got a. You, you, I, it's not. It, I mean, just it, when I think I understand the whole religion yeah. thing, I don't. Here's the thing: like Utah, and, and having gone to school both in the state and outside the state, I did part of law school, um, out of state, and. Um, what what he's saying is he's an expert in this. No, but it, there was a, there was a different definite difference because I had right next to each other these two experiences that should have been very similar, you know, where I did my first year out at Syracuse University, Syracuse, New York, and then transferred back to the U. Um, there were a lot of discussions about religion amongst law students at Syracuse, not a particularly religious school, even though it originally started. And they were probably very civil, right? Yeah, they were. And yet at the university. <laughs> No, and, and, and we would go out and, you know, I had a couple of friends were Jewish, a couple, a lot were Catholics, and there were two or three uh, Mormons in the group, and we would be out having lunch together, and you would talk about it, and it wouldn't be weird, and a lot of, some of them wouldn't even have heard of Mormons, so they would be like... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they would be like, oh, that's interesting. What, and there was no guys... vitriol, right? No, they there were like, no you, it was just like, oh, backlash. so, so yeah. what do you do? What do you guys do? And then... But in, when you come back to Utah, it, it takes on an additional political uh, dimension, which I get, and I get why if you are the minority in an area and you're feeling kind of imposed upon, like having everybody at your office constantly asking, like, what did your ward do on Sunday might be a little oppressive. I get that. But it was just, it was weird to see the contrast where I was like in a really liberal area and everybody was like talking about it, it was fine. And then you come back and people are like, well, you can't, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it, but yet they do. They talk about it once they've once they've well, figured out that they're the same. But no, I don't even mean that. I just mean kind of what you were saying. It's such a big part of the culture here that mm-hmm. even when religion's not being talked about specifically for the purpose of discussing religion, it like it's pervasive in almost every conversation. What did you do this weekend? What are you doing tonight? Um, and oh, we're going on trek this weekend. Or I'm uh, watching it, my kids. Which has nothing to do with religion. No, not even that. I'm more rehearsals. Your desire to reproduce the gene pool. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's more specific than that. I wasn't just referring to talk about kids, but I think no, it really it comes up in almost daily well, conversations. Maybe that's another. We had to reserve that for a whole another. What religion? Time. Well, no, just the the interplay of religion and legal issues and politics in general. I think there are quite a bit. Quite we a agree that it can be a complicated topic to discuss in the workplace. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's like politics. And, you know, bringing up religion, again, going back to the whole client interaction, I've got a couple of clients who are very obviously Mormon. Yeah. And, I mean, I hate to say rub your face in it, but you get your face rubbed in it. You know, all of the different aspects of it. No, this is why I can't be here, and this is why I think this, and this is why I'm going to do that. And this is why I think I'm 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 an upstanding person, mm-hmm. and it, it's funny to see that and, and I don't know question it, but again I in the in the office and I think with clients it's a definitely a it's a topic you need to be very careful about um, in, in raising. 
both from a inter-office politics perspective and also from a client relationship perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it's is... Minefield. A, minefield it, is it is a topic we could do a whole podcast on, and perhaps we're going to cut it off there because oddly enough it gets a little strange from that point on Uh, but thank you ladies and gentlemen very much for listening to this week's edition of the trial lawyer podcast please uh, don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing lawyers lawyer movies and why we love them and hate them at the same time because try as they might They just can't get it right. But we love them anyway. It's a weird relationship. Anyway, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.